Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 million. Americans have filed for unemployment insurance in the last three weeks. It'll be over 20 million this time next week. Probably well over 20 million. We are a country that is being controlled by medical technocrats now, who've been wrong so often over the last two months or so, I can't even keep track, and I'm trying to who went from telling us this would be a bad flu to 1.5 to 2.1 million would die if we didn't mitigate, which of course we would, to 100,000 to 240,000 would die, to 82,000 would die, to Fauci saying this morning it'll be 60,000, give or take. And the amazing thing about this is they credit themselves, and of course the American people, but really their own Statements for saving so many people. It's like a a game of uh, heads and tails. Heads I win, tails you lose. If the data shows them to be wrong in one direction, they say that's because you're not paying attention to them. If the data shows them to be wrong in another direction, it says because you are paying attention to them. In other words, they can't be wrong. By a factor of God knows what, 2.1 million to 60,000. It never made any sense to me. Why? Because as I speak, slightly less than 90,000 human beings have died from this virus, according to the stats, worldwide. Worldwide. That includes countries that have very poor health care systems and countries that do not have health care systems as great as America's. That includes Italy and France and on and on and on. How are we ever going to have 100 to 240,000, let alone 1.5 to 2.1 million, when the entirety of the world since November has lost under 90,000 people up to this point? That's third grade math. The model is called addition and subtraction. I'm quite concerned about this. If it's high, we told you so. If it's low, pat yourselves on the back. There's no question mitigation has some effect on this. But there's also no question that we have enormous health consequences from these decisions that we can't even measure yet. 
because people who don't have this virus but have other maladies may well be suffering at enormous levels because these same public health officials aren't monitoring any of that. They're not monitoring any of that. Again, 16, what is it right now? Little over 16,500 deaths, a little under, as of today in the United States. Based on the way that they're inputting the information on these forms, and I'll get to that again later. Apparently that's now a conspiracy theory. When you have the March 24th form from the NIH, and I read the language in black and white, and other hosts on TV and radio pick up on it and repeat it, fine. And Dr. Burks herself indicates that, yes, that's the default position, the coronavirus is the cause of death. When you raise it, according to Jim Acosta, it's a conspiracy theory. What's a conspiracy theory? These two doctors, and I don't say this to degrade them in any way, are way too powerful. I don't care how smart they are. They're way too powerful. Over 16,000 deaths. And now we have over 60, oh, close to 17 million people unemployed in three weeks. Soon to be over 20 million. That's over 10% of the workforce. I haven't seen yet the list of bankruptcies and shuttered businesses as a result of all this. And they don't even question themselves on whether they were right about the advice they've been giving. I'm not talking about mitigation, but mitigation of this sort. Where states are encouraged to shut down virtually everywhere and everything. And you actually had television news hosts pressing Republicans who were their guests. Why don't you have a national... Shutdown. National shutdown. Well, I don't know. You like to eat? That's one reason you wouldn't. And on top of this, the Republicans now, and frankly the administration, are now Democratic Socialists, to quote Bernie Sanders. You know, we'll get around to opening the economy maybe in four to eight weeks. That, that's not the way to put this. There are areas of the economy that can open right this minute. There are businesses that can open right this minute. Small, medium, and large. That can mitigate and hire people and serve customers right this minute. It doesn't need to be studied for 30 to 60 days. The reason why I endorse this idea of task force so we can get these ideas quickly from these businesses, get them to these damn governors, and then open these businesses. Apparently Mnuchin's going to be on the task force. Well, if that pot calling the kettle black, I don't know what the hell is. He's a big New York liberal New Deal type. And apparently so are a lot of Republicans, as it turns out. You got this Josh Hawley, who writes a big piece in the paper, going on and on. We, look, we got to bypass the banks and do all this and bypass these state unemployment offices and get money to the people. Every single person who's lost their job, every business that's closed as a result of this virus, 
should be made whole. And I'm reading this thing and I'm saying, not one sentence about where we're going to get this money. Not one sentence on inflation. Not a word. Because Josh Hawley believes big government, big centralized federal government better fix this and substitute its will for that of the private sector. We've got to give a ventilator to the private sector, ladies and gentlemen, so it can breathe again. All these numbers have been wrong. The number of ventilators in New York. Six weeks we're watching this play out. The numbers of beds in New York. The number of people hospitalized. The number of people dying. Mark, you must be a conspiracy theorist. No, I just look at the numbers. And the interesting thing is, Dr. Fauci agreed with me today. He agreed with me this morning. And now we have newsrooms that are actually, Mr. Producer, going to the form that I cited and read from and quoting it. Now we have newsrooms speaking about the death rate that there's some questions. Now we have Fauci himself saying it. But Mark Levin is a conspiracy theorist who's trying to downplay the virus. I'm not trying to downplay anything. I'm trying to put things in context. I don't know of a single Republican who has publicly spoken out against this spending on Capitol Hill. If they have, they're whispering. They're whispering. I don't know one who has spoken out about these models that have been contradictory, not one. I don't know one on Capitol Hill that's talked about the change now in the relationship between our government and the individual. I don't know one who's talking with the passion that you hear behind this microphone day in and day out that these governors need to open more and more businesses in their states. There's no reason for this. Look at the way DeSantis is handling Florida brilliantly. Look at the way this guy Kemp, and I'm no fan of this Governor Kemp in Georgia, is handling things. Much better. And compare it to Cuomo. And frankly, compare it to the Republican Governor DeWine of Ohio. They love him, the media in Ohio. Why? Because he's doing his best Cuomo imitation. When that governor started shutting down the state, they had five cases. So we have 16,500 deaths that are said to be related to this virus. And I'll get to that again. I'm going to keep at it. It's an overstatement. And now we have 16 million, almost 17 million new people out of work. The GDP, according to some estimates, is going to decline by one-third. These are numbers we haven't seen since the Great Depression. Many of you who are working, going to the grocery store, you're not feeling a whole lot of this yet. You will. It takes times for these things to resonate throughout an economy, just as it takes time for inflation to resonate throughout an economy. It doesn't happen overnight, but it happens. It happens. I want you to listen to a gentleman many of you are familiar with, the late, great Dr. Milton Friedman. One of the greatest minds, not just economic minds, one of the greatest minds of the last century. And I would ask Senator Howley 
I would ask all the other senators, Republicans, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you saying? You should be with me on this, pressuring these governors to open up some of these towns and these cities. Every part of the world is not New York City. We need to focus on New York City to give it the aid it needs. But there's a lot of towns in New York. There's rural areas in New York. Same with New Jersey. Listen to Milton Friedman, please. Hat tip, Liberty Pen, and this is from 1978 on inflation. Cut one, go. In a recent interview of U.S. News & World Report, uh, Secretary of the Treasury Blumenthal uh, blamed our current rising inflation uh, in a large part on our foreign trade and unions. He did, however, say that the government was little to blame. Would you like to comment on that? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is one of the defects of our political system that we always put a Secretary of the Treasury and other high government officials into a position in which when they make public statements they are almost driven. Well, what's the word I want to use? I want to use a polite word, equivocate. Secretary Blumenthal knows as well as you and I do that inflation does not come from trade unions. That doesn't mean the trade unions aren't grasping. Of course they are. But They don't produce inflation for one simple reason. They do not own a printing press on which you can turn out green pieces of paper. The only such printing press is in Washington. I say printing press. Of course, in the modern age, we do it in a more sophisticated way. We use bookkeepers and accountants and computers. But it comes down to the same thing. Inflation is made in Washington because only Washington can create money. And any other attribution to other groups of inflation is wrong. Consumers don't produce it. Producers don't produce it. Trade unions don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. Oil imports don't produce it. What produces it is too much government spending and too much government creation of money and nothing else. Yes, sir. Before you clap, let me point out that the reason why we have too much printed spending and too much printing of money is because you people want it. You and I, we're citizens, we run this country. If Congress has been voting higher and higher spending, why? Because it has been politically profitable for them to do it. If they have been voting higher spending and not voting the higher taxes to pay for it, why? Because it's been politically profitable to do it. We would all like to get something for nothing. And so the political process has been leading to Congress increasing spending, not increasing taxes, and financing the difference by the hidden tax of inflation. I think we are unwise. But let's not blame the others. The problem, you know, in that famous statement of the cartoonist, we have met the enemy and they is us. Now... True words have never been spoken. This virus will not destroy America. Our reaction can destroy America. This virus will not destroy America. 
our reaction can destroy America. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Here is Anthony Fauci this morning on the Today Show, Cut to Go. The initial projections, which took a lot of people's breath away, was potentially 100 to 240,000 deaths in this country. Now we have data, not just models, but actual data to plug in and, and assess. Do you think the number of fatalities in this country will be significantly lower than the 100,000 to 240,000 first projected? I do, and I believe that the mitigation, I think the American public have done a really terrific job. So stop. It's not the models. It's you. You've done a terrific job. You've done a terrific job. This makes no sense to me. I understand some of it. But the fact is, this virus, these hotspots are in a few areas of the country, mostly metropolitan areas. Three-fourths of the country doesn't have the virus, pretty much, in any significant way. I've looked at this map now. What I'm trying to tell you is they're not even being honest about their models and the science. And they're swinging wildly. And we're going day to day now, from 1.5 to 2.1 million, to 100,000, to 240,000, to 82,000, maybe 60,000. Thanks to you, because you're mitigating. Again, that obviously has something to do with it. But their data is wrong. Their speculation, and that's what it is, has been wrong. When you have under 90,000 people who have died worldwide, we were never going to have 100 to 240,000. I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. 
This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. talk back to your radio then you must be listening to mark levin pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811 i'm going to be on uh, hannity tv tonight i don't know what time they haven't told us i guess around 9 30 p.m eastern time 6 30 p.m pacific i don't know why he wants me on other than he gets ratings when i'm on but i don't know why um you know, I'm like the, uh, the one person out here. Well, there's a handful of us. A handful of us. Who thinks that uh, as bad as this virus is, that in fact the cure is worse than the virus. I wonder how many people have died as a result of heart attacks and strokes who otherwise might not have died or died of cancer who might not have otherwise died. I don't see any statistics on this. Do you, ladies and gentlemen? Or diabetes, or flu and pneumonia? I wonder what the suicide rate is about now. We don't have any of that data. We know that healthcare workers from sea to shining sea are being laid off because many, many people have been told to put off their medical treatment their medical treatment. Not every doctor, not every nurse, and not every hospital wing is focused on a virus. So as a result of that, these other areas of specialty are shuddering or slashing. And we get no information on that. We've got no information on that. I would think our public policy health experts would want to provide us with that information, but apparently not. And here's the killer. You can mitigate in many of these businesses and keep them open. You can mitigate and keep them open. Parts of the economy. These governors can do it, but not if you continue listening to the media, the bureaucracy, And many of these politicians and certain governors. They don't think he can. And again, when it comes to these modelers and the data and Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, if the numbers are up, I told you so. If the numbers are down, I told you so. The technicians, as Eisenhower once said, should not be running the country. These are enormous unemployment numbers. Enormous. And these politicians are running for the hills. That's why they're outspending one over the other. They're making the matter much, much worse. Much, much worse. I had suggested a week or so ago that the task force be expanded to include some additional experts. Dr. Katz, who's a a renowned expert, a renowned expert, that he should be included on the task force, deaf ears. 
It's a specialist in preventive medicine and public health. Founding director of the Yale University, Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center. Dr. Ioannidis, professor of so many things at Stanford, I can barely say them all. Others, also at Stanford. Dr. Aaron Ben-David and Dr. J. Bhattacharya. They wrote back over two weeks ago that the estimates about the COVID-19 fatality rate may be too high by orders of magnitude. Right here. Now, how did they know this? How did they know this? How did Dr. Katz know that the better way to address this is by targeting the areas, geographic areas where you have these hot zones and also targeting the populations that are most vulnerable to this virus in terms of uh, mortality? They knew. And there's others. They're not alone. We are killing this economy. Killing it. Now here's another point I wanted to raise with you. All you Trump supporters, and I am one. The next shoe to drop. The first shoe is Trump didn't react soon enough. He's incompetent, blah, blah, blah. And of course, we know what a lie that is. The next shoe to drop is... They're going to tie this economic downfall around his neck. They're going to politically hang him with it if they can. That's what they're going to try and do. If only they had spent more money like Pelosi wanted to. If only they had spent more money faster like Schumer wanted to. If only he had used the National Defense Act and nationalized this industry and that industry. If only, if only, if only. And he'll be on defense the entire time. So all this spending politically will be for naught. And economically it'll be a disaster. Not tomorrow. Not the next day. Not next year. But down the road it'll be a disaster. Why do you think I get behind this microphone? Do you think I'm enjoying this? I'm getting behind this microphone hoping some, somebody in some position in the administration is paying attention. You and I, we get to provide advice too. You and I, we get to help direct where the country should go. This isn't an effort to sabotage the president. It's an effort to deal with people who are sabotaging the president. Wittingly and unwittingly. Directly and indirectly. It's difficult to keep going through this and going through this and going through this. But let's, let's listen to what else Anthony Fauci had to say. He said it yesterday. He said it this morning that those of you and those of us who have talked about these fatality rates being way too high and way off, whether it's these Stanford professors who wrote in the Wall Street Journal, whether it's a Yale professor, who wrote in the New York Times, whether it's me looking at the data and looking at these various pieces of scholarship, we're now conspiracy theorists. It was Fauci who said this was nothing more than a bad flu. It was Fauci who then embraced 1.5 to 2.1 million potential deaths. It is Fauci who brought up the 100,000 to 240,000 figure. It is Fauci who brought up the 82,000 figure. It is Fauci who now talks about 60,000. Not me, he's the expert. And the world is hanging on every syllable that he has to say, not mine, not my syllables. 
And same with Dr. Burks, who was brought in as the expert modeler. I'm not modeling anything. I'm looking at, at what they're modeling or what they're concluding from their models. And so are other scholars. Scholars who do models all the time. And said they're way too high. Or said this cure is way too broad. And they're right. It turns out they've been proven to be right. And the media will continue to attack anyone who questions any of this because the media objective here is to destroy the president and to exploit the economic disaster that's taking place here to help Biden, to help Pelosi, and help Schumer. Keep the House, take the Senate, and take the presidency. That's what they're all about. I'm about the opposite. But if I can't stop this administration from supporting trillions of more dollars, printing press money, and if I can't stop the Republicans from doing this, then they're going to commit their own suicide. And even if they eat by and win an election, they're going to commit our economic suicide. Because these answers are worse than the disease. And this is why, even when the president talks about this uh, chloroquine, he comes under attack. Even if it works, he comes under attack. Because if it works, and it works in the vast majority of cases along with other therapies, then you have this thing not licked, but under control, right? Now here's Fauci today being prodded by the media, of course, in concluding that this is a wild conspiracy theory, you know, just like HIV and all the rest. Cut three, go. You weighed in on a theory that's been floating around that perhaps the number of fatalities related to COVID-19 is being inflated because people are actually dying of other things. Uh, What's your read on that theory? Can you please stop? What's your read on that theory? Now, before we get the read on that theory, Mr. Producer, I want you to move to cut four, which is Dr. Burks at the press conference on Tuesday talking about how they are coding a death if somebody has COVID-19. Cut four, go. Can you talk about your concerns about deaths being misreported uh, by coronavirus because of either testing or standards for how they're... Now, stop a minute. I'm the one who's been bringing this up. I've been bringing this up because I couldn't find a standard. And then that, that morning, I found the standard. I found the form. I began talking to you about it in the second segment of the first hour on Tuesday. This question was asked of Dr. Burks about 30 to 45 minutes later. I'm not connecting the two. But it confirms exactly what the government form requires of doctors who fill it out if there's a death and the basis of the death so they can keep their statistics. Go ahead. So I think in this country, we've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. And I think the reporting... Now stop. Now what does a liberal approach to mortality mean? 
She means a very liberal approach to the reporting of what the mortality basis is when it comes to COVID-19. That's what she's saying. It's actually more than that. Go ahead. Has been pretty straightforward over the last five to six weeks. Prior to that, when there wasn't testing in January and February, that's a very different situation um, and unknown. There are other countries. Well, 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 now hold on now. If that's the case, why were you throwing numbers out then? Why were you throwing numbers out a month ago, six weeks ago that were absolutely outrageous? If that's a very different thing. I'm telling you, it, this, this whole thing is troubling to me. Go ahead. Is that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus called you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not a COVID-19 death. Um, Right now, we're still recording it, and we'll, I mean, the great thing about having forms that come in and a form that has the ability to mark it as COVID-19 infection, the intent is right now that those, if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. All right, got it. So there's no conspiracy theory here, Dr. Fauci. That's your colleague, Savannah Guthrie. Why didn't you quote Dr. Burks? Or why don't you quote the damn form? Put out on March 24th, the last paragraph. COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate. I'm the one who found this. For all decedents where the disease caused or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death. That is exactly what I thought was going on. And that is what's going on. That's the form. It's right in front of me in black and white. It's an official government form. Director, Division of Vital Statistics, Stephen Schwartz, Ph.D., National Center for Health Services, NIH. Go when we come back. I want you to hear how Fauci suggests this is a conspiracy theory. I'll be right back. in. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Jim Acosta, CNN, cut five, go. Where there's a lot of misinformation, conspiracy theories out there about the coronavirus. Uh, There are some commentators who are suggesting that the number of dead are being inflated. 
because uh, they're saying that people uh, who are dying with other issues are being listed as COVID-19 deaths. Uh, perhaps you've seen some of this commentary. You may be too busy to see it, but it is out there. Uh, what do you say to those folks who are, who are making the claim without really any evidence? Making the these- claim without really any evidence, except the document that's looking me straight in the face and Dr. Burks the other day. Go ahead. Deaths are being padded, that the number of COVID-19 deaths are being padded. It's not a matter of deaths being padded like there's a nefarious purpose. We're trying to figure out the facts, you idiot. Go ahead. Uh, For example, somebody who might uh, die from a a number of factors uh, but had coronavirus are being listed as coronavirus deaths. And because of that, the number is being inflated. So, you know, having been through other serious issues, particularly the very painful early years of HIV, AIDS, when people talk about conspiracy theories, um, you will always have conspiracy theories when you have uh, very challenging public health. There you have it. There's your scientist, your public health scientist. There you have it. It's a conspiracy theory. His colleague said it. The form reads it. But now it's a conspiracy theory. Says the same thing this morning on the Today Show. It's a conspiracy theory. The media say it's a conspiracy theory. What's a conspiracy theory? Sick. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, So... When we get more data, we put it into our models. Our models aren't always right, but we put it into our models and we update our model. And that's why the numbers keep changing, Dr. Fauci tells. Very rational, very logical. But it also means your model's never wrong, even though it might be. Or that the data you've been using or the data sets you've been using are not really necessarily the right data sets. Which is what Dr. Ionides has been saying from Stanford. Or that your model was wrong from day one, which is what doctors Aaron Ben David and doctors Bhattacharya has been saying. And maybe you're not using the same model because you're not. Early on, you were using models that included China's numbers, which are utterly unreliable. Or Italy's numbers, which are unusual because of the, the nature of the population and the interaction with uh, Chinese workers in northern Italy. I'm not making this up. This is what these men have written. And they were right. And they were right. And none of them say don't mitigate. What they say is the data you use will determine how you mitigate, where you mitigate, when you mitigate. And so what's happened here is we have massive mitigation. And when you have massive mitigation of this sort, you can say, yeah, the number of virus cases have gone, would have been worse, although it's not one for one. 
But how about the number of deaths by heart disease? Well, we have no idea. Or cancer, no idea. What about stroke? No idea. Alzheimer's? No idea. Diabetes? No idea. Suicide? Or they may have an idea, but they're not telling us because they're busy focused on the virus. That is, the resources that have been focused myopically on this issue and telling people to stay home and um, not go to the, you know, to the extent of having uh, elective operations or elective procedures, I guess they call them. I mean, a lot of people don't know they have pancreatic cancer until it's too late. A lot of people don't know that 99% of a particular vital artery is blocked until they go in. A lot of people don't know that they have diabetes until they're tested. So when you tell people, you know, don't go in for elective procedures or, you know, if you don't feel you have to go in, or that, and they don't go in, how much of that is happening? Probably a lot. Let me put it in my model. Yeah, a lot. According to my model, this is happening a lot. I don't have all the data yet, but when I have the data, I'll put it in, and then it'll adjust my model. So when the numbers are up, it's an I told you so, the people need to do more. When the numbers are down, it's I told you so, the people did what I told them to do. We're just adjusting the numbers with our models. Now, if I were really to press this, if I had been a reporter in the room, I would have said to Dr. Fauci, exactly what models are you talking about? Are you using the same model today that you used last month? And are you using the same model last month that you used the month before? Because you're saying we've got a, a common denominator here, but the numerator is the variable, right? So, <coughs> so what is this common model that you're using? What is it? Can we see it? Do we know what it is? Can you show it? Can we feel it? Can we touch it? No. So all we're getting are platitudes right now in this respect. Now the fact is, our economy has a virus. It's called the coronavirus. Our economy has the coronavirus. So what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? We're feeding it with massive paper money that's being printed. Why can't we address the economy the way we address this virus? In other words, whether our populations that are ill, we focus on those populations. Elderly, certain morbidities over and over again to the point where we're, we can do this in our sleep. Okay. And so in those areas, these hot areas, as they call them, we'll go to the other areas and look at the, the businesses there. Can we open them? No, you can't open them. Why? Because they might get the virus. And if they get the virus, it might spread. And if it might spread, we might have a catastrophe on our hands. Well, you can say that about anything. And then they tell us, even with all this, we could have a second phase. They call it a phase or another seasonal attack. Well, of course we can. Because the question I keep asking 
is if everybody or most people are staying at home, you know, the vast majority of the country that's said to be unessential, if you're staying home and you don't get the virus, then you'll be susceptible to the virus when you stop staying home. There is literally no discussion about this. And so what's Fauci's answer? He's got to have an answer. He's not asked. But he's a smart guy. He's been around in the federal government 50 years. He knows his way around. He says, I I think this will be seasonal. What's that based on? Absolutely nothing. Not even a model. But he thinks it'll be seasonal. And he's right. But the wrong word. Seasonal is not the right word. It'll come back. Now, why will it come back? Because at least theoretically, based on their mitigation, you're going to have millions and millions of Americans, theoretically, who never got the virus. And so they're not immune. And these other scholars tell us about herd immunity. Well, we'll have half a herd of immunity. Because you folks have done such a great job of staying at home, wearing masks, washing your hands to the point where you're getting down to the bone, using hand sanitizer, doing whatever else you're doing. You've done such a great job, you didn't get the virus. Even young people, millennials, middle-aged people, are less subject to any serious outcome if they get the virus. They'll get through this. And then it'll be seasonal. Because somebody will come here one day. Whether it's overseas or whether it's from a former hot area or what, whatever it is. And you will come in contact with that person. This is why Fauci says maybe we shouldn't shake hands anymore. Now listen, we shouldn't shake hands anymore? We shouldn't shake hands anymore? Well, understand what that means. I don't care if you shake hands or not. That means... If you put your hands on a restaurant table, you finished eating, you get up, you put your hands on the table, you leave. Three minutes later, even though they wipe down the table, they're not going to wipe down every piece and part of the table, maybe not wipe it down well enough. Somebody sits down, they put their hands right on there, or you're in an airplane and the tray's down, and somebody puts their hands on the tray, or they sneeze into the back of the chair, and there you are, you put your hands there, and you come in contact with it again. That means you're going to get the virus if you didn't have the virus. So you may be susceptible to the virus. It's very aggressive. So if he's saying you probably shouldn't shake hands, I just want you to listen to what I'm saying. This is very important. That means you probably can't do anything. The point of not shaking hands is so you don't come in physical contact, not with the other hand, with the potential virus. Right, Mr. Producer? If it's two people who don't have the virus and you know in advance, they can shake hands, they can, they can shake you, they can do whatever they want. But you're not going to know if that other person has the virus. They may be asymptomatic, as they say. And you shake their hand and then you get the virus. So what does that mean? Why don't they ask the questions? Why don't they think this through? What he's saying is, we're never going to be rid of this in one form or another, in one way or another, till everybody gets it. Right? Well, what else does he mean? What else could he mean? Don't shake hands. Don't touch the tables. Don't touch the chairs. Don't touch your face after you touch something else. Don't, don't, no touching. 
wear the gloves, wear the mask, mitigation. They don't know how to get out of this. They don't know how to get out of this. And so they're setting up straw men. And that includes the media and the Democrats. You know who the straw man is, Mr. Producer? The president. If he dares to open up poor parts of this economy and anyone dies or any group of people die, they're going to blame him. As I said last hour, they're going to wrap this economy around his neck and any effort to try and open it up, they're going to wrap around his neck too. So when Dr. Fauci says, you know, it's a good idea, maybe you shouldn't shake hands, what he's saying is maybe you shouldn't touch tables, maybe you shouldn't go on airplanes. Just don't touch things other people might touch that may not be properly cleansed, purified. It's going to be seasonal. Mitigation. Mitigation in the here and now. They credit with driving down these numbers, apparently from 2.1 million, which was an absurd number, to 60,000, give or take. But it's going to be seasonal. Why? Because all those people who are hunkering down at some point are going to stop hunkering down. And you're going to socialize one day, I assume. You're going to go to sporting events. You're going to go to your kids' assembly. Your kids are going to go to school, right? You're going to come in close contact with people, less than six feet. You might even pat somebody on the back. You might even exchange saliva with somebody your day. You never know. You never know. And if the virus is lurking and it's aggressive, it can spread. It can spread among those who don't have it. I'm not saying this is an easy question. I'm just saying these people really need to be thinking about this because mitigation in the here and now has its benefits. There's no question about it. But that's the here and now. Tomorrow and later, it has its consequences, doesn't it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. This is important. Mitigation, hunker down. I have some questions. Let's pretend I'm asking questions now of Dr. Fauci. 
Dr. Fauci, mitigation, hunkered down. For how long? How will we know when we should stop hunkering down? What happens after we're done hunkering down? Doesn't that mean millions of people, millions, who never had the virus will be highly susceptible to getting it? They've not developed an immunity. In fact, tens of millions of Americans will not have developed an immunity. What then? I think these are fair questions, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't this why, Dr. Fauci, you keep saying this will be seasonal? Don't you really mean mitigation today eliminates the herd immunity necessary to really kill this virus broadly? Isn't this why you say, don't shake hands? What else shouldn't we do? Touch tabletops? Touch any surface that another human being may have touched? Because that's really what you're saying. You're talking about the the virus. Now, let's talk about models, Dr. Burks. Excuse me, Dr. It's Burks, sorry. I always get that name. Is it Burks or Bricks? I always get it confused. It's Burks. Have you been using the same model for the last 10 weeks? You keep talking about the data changes, you put it in the model, we get a different result. Are you using the same model you've been using for the last 10 weeks? We understand the data is changing. Are you familiar with other scholars? Dr. Aaron Bon David, Ben David, and Jay Bhattacharya, both of whom wrote many weeks ago that your fatality rate is way too high? Have you consulted with them? Both doctors. Are you familiar with Dr. David Katz of Yale? Who was concerned that your fight against the coronavirus might be worse than the disease? That it needs to be more targeted toward the individuals who are more likely to, to be casualties of these diseases, and of this disease rather, and the areas of the country that are more likely to get hardest hit? Have you consulted with him? They seem to be quite right. Yes, I have a lot of questions they ask. Millions and millions of people newly unemployed. Millions of businesses going out of business. What does that do to a healthcare system? What does that do to a healthcare system? When you tell people to pass on elective surgeries, in some cases, aren't you signing their death certificate? Unwittingly, but aren't you? People with heart disease and diabetes and so forth. Over 16,000 people have died from this virus. That's the statistic that's, that's available to us. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Multiple times more than that have died from cancer. From heart disease. And from so many other diseases. Do you think those numbers for those other diseases will go up now? Now that our healthcare resources have been focused on this virus and we've been telling people not to not to have elective surgery, which could be life saving surgery, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know. 
Tell me, what is the the rate of suicide that results from people who are unemployed, who lose their businesses, who can't pay their bills, can't feed their families, and feel they have no way out when you shut down an economy? I've got a lot of questions, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of questions. Maybe I'll post some of them tonight. You think I should do that, Mr. Producer? When I'm on TV? We have a number of businesses that function in this country, doctors. They've figured out how people can, can mitigate and feed us and drive trucks and farm, deliver our goods. Amazon, Costco, Walmart, grocery chains, 7-Elevens. Don't you think you ought to give a little attention to other businesses in this country that might be able to do the same thing rather than your mantra, mitigate, mitigate, stay at home, stay at home, stay at home? I'll be right back. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811. Let's get our callers ready, Mr. Producer. I don't think I've taken a call in a long time, have I? I don't believe so. Uh, let me hope uh, if you guys can send me the link again. I w- oh, there it is. Just bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pulling up the link. I hope it's working. It is. Oh, my God. Must be an essential link. For all our sakes, you want to avoid crowds any way you can, right? You want to mitigate. What if you need to go to the post office? What if you need postage to send out letters and packages? Well, don't worry. Stamps.com is here to help you. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a free package pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. No human contact required. Isn't that great? It's that simple. And now an additional offering discounted U.S. postal rates. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts And rates up to 62% off. Plus, with Stamps.com, you won't even have to pay UPS residential surcharges. That's United States Postal Service. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the word BUNKER. That's stamps.com, enter the word bunker. Stamps.com, bunker. 
Stay safe, my friends. I love this service. It's been with us before. They're a wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Let's take some calls, shall we? I think we can. Harry, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. How are you, Harry? Hey, hello. Uh, thank you for allowing me to, to talk. It's well, honor. sir, it's always uh, your pleasure. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, I got all your books. I watch your TV shows. I watch you on Sunday. I'm going to watch you on Hannity. I read, I, I'm reading your books again now because I'm stuck at home in California. But Thank you, uh, sir. In particular, thank you, sir. In particular, the, the reason why I called is my thinking, uh, and you've helped influence it, The Consequences of Social Distancing, Episode 711. I watched it three times with John Ioannidis. Excellent. Anybody that mm-hmm. has the blaze has to watch that. Because I, th- I think, you know, of the things he says, John Ioannidis, everybody, is this professor I'm talking about at Stanford, who really is a genius in so many ways, uh, who has been saying that the data is obviously incomplete, it's wrong, and people are drawing conclusions from incomplete and wrong data and applying it nationwide, and it's problematic. Go right ahead. So I think it's crucial absolutely crucial along lines what you're saying man i wish you could either talk to the press conference or hannity could talk to president trump open de-isolate open county by county that someone needs to urge the governors to larry county i've been saying this right are we talking you and i are simpatico fresno come on fresno has why is fresno being treated like uh like like uh uh los angeles i feel like this is the plot to a twilight zone episode if it, the way it's going, it, it, it's just Rod Serling was alive. He could write a show about this. I mean, Why like, is central Pennsylvania being treated like Philadelphia, where I'm from, in Pittsburgh? It, it, there's the thing why, is, why, why is rural New York or other towns in New York, why are they all being treated like they're New York City? And by the way, it doesn't help New York City to shut down the rest of the country. No. or, or People Montana. there need food and equipment and everything, too. It's got to be produced. You know, federalism is not being uh, uh, really properly understood, as you and others so well explain. Uh, you know, common sense is gone. Fear is ruling the day. And I refuse to live in fear. And I think most Californians want to go back to work. All my friends and relatives are pacing around the backyard waiting to go back to work. They can't understand. You know, uh, you have to have something. And I think the urge or the I don't know, maybe you know, can you incentivize counties to open up, or can the president incentivize Well, this is what the president can't order, and this is going to be one of the things they're going to have to tackle. But I do think what the president's task force can do, and and I'm concerned because Mnuchin is on there, and he's a big liberal New Deal Democrat. Uh, I think uh, what this this, uh, task force can do is push hard and recommend that the governors open up, as you say, county by county, industry by industry where mitigation can actually occur. And it can't be perfect. There will be some people who get this virus. There'll be some people who, uh, who, who eat a lot of fried food and get heart attacks. You know, there'll be some people who have diabetes and they can't stop eating cake. It's just the way it is. Well, I miss Steve Moore. Uh, this Cudrow guy, he's not a Hayek guy. He's not a Von Mises guy. Uh, Stephen Moore, you, uh, you know, th- there's this, this economic thinking right now, the... Uh, they're wrong. These guys are wrong. Well, what about what about all these lovely Republicans in the Senate and so many in the House that uh, they're they're so panicked, they're so desperate. Rather than pushing 
hard for legislation. They don't tie any of the money to uh, to governors opening up various businesses or, as you say, going county by county. There's no requirements at all. Uh, and these governors who just blow their budgets, like Cuomo was such a disaster, and their budget was going to get blown anyway. The New York budget was gone to hell. The budget in Illinois was gone to hell. The budget in California was gone to hell, among others. The budget in New Jersey was going to hell. And a lot of these governors now see this as a way for you and me, the taxpayer, to help fund them. And these governors have made horrible decisions. I said this the other day. So what we're going to be doing now by passing more money, because now it's our responsibility, all of ours, to make sure officials we didn't vote for in these various states can make their budgets whole. It's going to be our responsibility to do it, our kids and our grandkids and and generations yet born. How does that incentivize them to start paying attention to real serious priorities like potentially future pandemics or health crises? It doesn't. No. They know they'll be bailed out. It's wrong. It's wrong. And, you know, Cuomo, every time there's a news break, I sit here and wait to get my chance to talk. I got to hear Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. Why can't they interview on the news the governor of North Dakota? Well, why is it always Cuomo? He's in the hot spot. I understand. Right. In other words, you're upset because your favorite cable channel just keeps running Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No. How about Arizona or, or, or Texas? or How about or, Florida? Uh, they got a great governor. Well, yeah, but it's always, every news break is always Cuomo's this and Cuomo that. And, I mean, yeah, he's got a bad situation, but he's getting 90% of the effort, too. So what's he complaining about? All um, right, sir. All right, you take care of yourself. That's Harry from L.A., and L.A.'s LA's not taking the whack that New York's taking, quite frankly. L.A.'s not taking the whack that New York's taking. Lou, Ocala, Florida, the great WSKY, go! Hey, Mark, Lou in Florida, listen. Yes, ma'am. You've been nailing it about these doctors. You really have. And I'm not attacking them. I'm just trying to discuss this. No, I know you're discussing it, and I know you're not trying to attack anything, but you see the bigger picture, which is the entire Washington group is just trying to centralize government. That's what why, why is everybody now a democratic socialist, as they say? All the Republicans, they're moving left. They why don't they embrace the principles that work and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let us allow these small businesses, medium, large businesses to figure out if they can take the presidential guidelines <clears throat> and mitigate. Because many of them are already mitigating. And I'm in an agricultural area. I'm in Florida. like, And the thing is, is that everybody in ag is back to work because it's quote essential services. But nobody can eat anywhere or do anything. I mean, there's a lot of the small businesses are closed. And here's the thing. I wanted to ask you if this is a good suggestion. Since the president can't order everyone back to work, you said constitutionally that's not feasible. No, can he the, can't. He cannot. Yes, cannot. Can the That's blue correct. state governors get together and conference together and start a plan together? Because you know damn well the leftist governors... Now, wait a minute. These blue state governors are the ones shutting down these businesses, shutting down gun shops, arresting protesters at the essential abortion clinics. These blue state governors are the ones that have a, a father playing with his six-year-old daughter with his wife present where nobody's within 20 feet of them being arrested, these blue state governors, in my humble opinion, in many respects, are the problem. No, I didn't. I had the wrong color. I meant to say red. Please forgive me. I meant to say the Republican governors. Can they get together? Of course, but then you have guys like DeWine in Ohio. You know, they got five or ten cases, and he shut that whole state down. Yeah. 
Boy, they're getting. You've got guys like Larry Hogan in Maryland, who makes Cuomo look like a conservative. Look at DeSantis. He held out for a long time. DeSantis was great, and I still think he is. I mean, he is still fighting county by county. He comes under enormous attacks. And yet Florida, when you consider Florida's population is, is larger than New York's, when you consider all the metropolitan areas that are in Florida, when you consider all the tourism in Florida, all the people from New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and Pennsylvania that go into Florida, I have to say, he is a hell of a governor. I really believe it. I wish he were my governor. I tell you what, he's fantastic, and I just wish he could have influence on other governors that might think alike to get a group together. To well, Abbott in Texas has been doing very well. I'm shocked to say Kemp in Georgia has been hanging in there. There's a few of them who are trying to do, as we discuss here, they're, and they're being attacked by the media. They're being attacked by the other party because whatever the Democrats want, have you noticed the Democrat talking point becomes the question of the press and the hosts on Sunday and at the White House press corps? They just regurgitate what the Democrats say. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, that it's a setup for Trump. You were right. He's damned if he does, and if he, he's damned if he doesn't. This economy, they're going to wrap around his throat. And I just hope his administration and the Republicans don't panic by lurching further left and printing money. Open up as much of the economy as you can. They don't even know how much they can open up. They haven't taken a serious look at this yet. Same with these governors. Open it up. There are many businesses in this country that can, quote-unquote, mitigate and do business. In other words, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. Lou, thank you, my friend, and God bless you, and I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Dr. Fauci, why are you unwilling to acknowledge that there are businesses today that can both mitigate and remain open? and encourage governors and mayors to allow them to do so. Why aren't you issuing guidelines to states and localities to help them do that? What happens to societies when there's 10, 20, 25% unemployment, hundreds of thousands of business closures, home foreclosures, and etc.? What happens to the healthcare system? What happens to the quality of medical care, death rates, etc.? What happens? Those are health care issues. They're medical issues, are they not? You'd pay off your IRS debt if you could, right? But you can't because you don't have the money. Now you're asking this important question. Is this the day the IRS shows up at my work, garnishes my wages, and seizes my bank accounts, maybe even my home? Let me suggest a way to end your IRS nightmare. Call Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution firm. They have been with this show for a decade at least. And the reason? They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, a powerful IRS program that could save you thousands if you qualify. In fact, Optima's resolved over $1 billion of tax debt, debt just for people like you. Get the peace of mind that comes when you have Optima on your side, standing between you and the IRS, fighting to help stop aggressive collection actions and helping to protect your assets. Don't wait. Put your IRS worries to rest. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please use OptimaTaxRelief.com. But 
I'd give them a call right now. 800-499-6300. Let's take some more calls, shall we? Yes, we can. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, home of me, Dan, the great WPHT. Go. Yes. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm good, Dan. Uh, How are you? I, I bless you, bud. I, God bless I believe us. That, well, thank you. And thank you, Lord. I yes. believe that an awful lot of these questions would be answered if we got our butts out of neutral and started applying some of the medicines that we already know will be effective against True. stuff. And we worked our butts off to develop the uh, the more, um, uh, what would you call it, vaccine approach. Right. Right. Uh, was it wasn't wasn't that broke that news broken early this week that was it from Pitt University of Pittsburgh that that, that somebody already got a leg up on it? On well, the, there's there's uh, as my last count, there's five domestic companies that are now working on a vaccine. And by the way, they all may come up short. You know, they have to do these trials to see if they work. There's an Israeli company that thinks they they are. They may have a vaccine. There's an Australian company that thinks they may have a vaccine. So one day we may well have a vaccine. But also the meanwhile, if we could apply the HCQ, uh, the point, it would solve a lot of the problems that you're asking about. Like I'm, I'm all for it. I really am. I, I don't understand this campaign in the media and by some of these doctors against it. These, some of these doctors don't want to prescribe it to patients who are on death's door, a doorstep. That's up to them. But there are other patients that may want it whose doctors want to prescribe it, and they should. But the whole thing in general has be, is kept somewhat secretive. No, because, I don't think so. Uh, the whole country – probably the most well-known drug in the world right now. Well, that may be Thanks true. to the president. But, but there are governors withholding it, for instance. Well, uh, they, well the governor of Nevada – uh, the governor of New York, at least up till a little while ago, maybe still, uh, he uh, he said that only doctors in hospitals can prescribe it. I mean, what kind of a cockamamie thing is that? Although I think he's going to lift that. I'm not sure. And and the governor of Nevada has it uh, that doctors can prescribe it for a limit of 30 days. But that would be more than ample to get this stuff out on the street and in the blood and veins of people who... Uh, Well, here's my question for you. How does Dr. Foucher, how does Dr. Burks know that this drug isn't being widely used and that maybe that's another reason why the numbers are looking better? Well, it's being widely used already in in the rheumatoid arthritis. No, 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 but you're not following me. The people who have the coronavirus... We don't know how many people who have the coronavirus. I mean, we could. I'm sure they could go back and check how many people have the coronavirus are taking this drug and how many are benefiting from it because maybe that's helping bring their numbers down. Well, right, except that for most of the times you hear that someone is using it, it's applied in the later stages. We had a doctor on the radio. At the I, 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 I know, but I'm saying that may be helping keep the death rate low. But the idea is that the greater benefit occurs from earlier. I know, but I'm saying maybe it's helping bring the death rate down. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm making a different point. We don't know how many people who may have been on death's doorstep 
survived as a result of this drug. I'm not disagreeing with you that it can be used as a prophylactate. I didn't say a word about that. I am not opposed to doctors and patients making these decisions together. I support it. I agree with you. But I'm also making the point that I would like to know from doctors Burks and Dr. Fauci how many people who might have died did not die as a result of using this drug? Don't you think that's a good question? Absolutely. Let's articulate all that unknown fog. All right, brother. God bless you. How much time did you say, Rich? I mean, uh, Jason? 30 seconds. Not enough time. We have another full hour to go. I'm going to keep pulling together my questions. I'm going to keep developing my questions. That real journalists should have on their little notepads and be prepared to ask because they matter to the American people. I shall return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello everybody, Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 Let's continue with our calls we have great callers Waiting a long time. Los Angeles, California. Craig. 870 AM the answer. Where we are live and national. Go. Yes, Hello. Craig. Yes, you're on. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh I'm my uh, Mark, I'm a business owner, been in business for twenty eight years I'm with a shop with almost a hundred people, and this coronavirus is just just killing me. I honestly don't know if I will make it through this whole thing. And um, I hear you ranting and feeling regarding other business owners, and I really appreciate it because uh, this is a real thing. This is come home, and uh, I just say my prayers every night, and I do my work every day, and I just hope for the best. But, uh, you know, California is a pretty tough state to do business in, and, um, yeah, it's it's uh, not pretty. I, I'm, I see liberties being stripped away every single day. A man got a, arrested for surfing at the Ventura Beach Pier the other day, kind of like you mentioned, somebody got arrested for playing ball in the park, wherever that was. I mean, the mere fact that I have to drive out of my driveway and see a cop car where I used to kind of think, oh, no, it's good they're in the area just kind of watching my business. And then I'm, I'm thinking thoughts like, uh-oh, are they kind of here to, like, uh, you know, shut us down for some reason, even though we've got a couple notices that we're part of the essential workforce because of what we do. But um, this is real, and I appreciate you, your, your sympathy, your empathy. Let, let, let me tell you something, Craig, and it is – True to heart, because my, uh, my parents owned a small business. And they went through a terrible recession <clears throat> in the 70s. Terrible, terrible recession. 
which led to massive inflation. And they weren't selling necessities. I guess the government would say today they're non-essential, even though they were essential for our family to put food on the table. And there were several months, I'd say a full year, where times were extremely tough. They never really told us about it, but you could see. You could see the wrinkles on their faces. You could see how upset they would be. You could see. It was a store outside of Philadelphia, and they sold small store, furniture, porcelains, painting, stuff like that, that in a recession, people aren't going to buy. And the property taxes came in, and the utilities came in, and um, many of the programs that exist today didn't exist then, not that my parents participated in any of them. They would never have. They would never have expected and never asked for a loan from the government, 0% or anything of the sort. And they struggled like hell. And I saw the toll it took on them. And so I know damn well what you're going through. And I talked about my own experience, 13 months unemployed and what it's like. And I wasn't pressuring Washington, D.C. to come up with some kind of loan package or direct payment to me. And I wasn't earning anything close to what I'm earning today. And uh, so I, I, I really do sympathize with what's going on. And so when I see people get in front of microphones, certainly not the president, I'm talking about others. They talk about mitigation, and they talk about it as if it's in a vacuum, as if there's no alternative for small, medium, and large businesses to mitigate and stay open. I grind my teeth because I'm so furious with it. So I don't know what to tell you other than hang in there, and I'm very concerned that what the Republicans and Democrats are doing in Washington, D.C., Maybe not in the short term, but in the mid and the long term is going to make this even much, much, much worse. Well, I, I just want to say thank you. I know it's in God's hands. And, you know, worst case, I I do the worst thing that I have to do and start over. Um, and God will be there. But I, I really appreciate you still being connected to people who, you know, got out of high school, opened a business, made millions of dollars, and, you know, just working with a family of people. And then maybe that has to go away. I mean, one of the primary reasons I didn't sell the business is because I've been working with these people since they started, you know, 28 years. They're a family. And uh, I'm pushed, you know, California raises a $15 minimum wage that's tied to the union uh, base rate. I mean, they're getting more taxes. They're, they're, they're doing all sorts of things that everybody doesn't realize why they're doing them. So it's a win-win for them. They get more taxes. They get uh, more employee taxes. The union's wages go up. But I'm holding the basket. I get mm-hmm. wage compression, and I just – anyways, that's enough. Well, a lot, a lot of these loans that they're offering to guys like you uh, are really nothing more than pass-throughs, and you'll get the loan as long as you continue to employ people. But that doesn't mean you're going to make a profit. Right. You're not, you're not an employment agency. You're in business to try and make a profit and thereby employ people in order to make even a bigger profit. But there, there's such a misunderstanding of how this is supposed to work uh, in Washington out to, the, out to Main Street. People are not going to take loans or they're not going to succeed for long. They're going to go under in a few months. If the purpose of the loan is you only get the loan and it's only 0%, if you maintain your, uh, your workforce or perhaps hire people back, if you have governors who say you can't conduct your business, I, 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 go ahead. Anybody. 
We haven't fired a person. We've been, we work like a family. We've been rotating hours. We're doing whatever it takes. Everybody's in on it. But, uh, you know, if they keep pushing this to June, July, that's insanity. That means we all go away. And I start somewhere else, and they start somewhere else. And that's not right. It's just mm-hmm. not right. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Let us continue. Diane, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. How are you, Diane? Oh, hi. Thank you, Mark. Um, yes, ma'am. I, I appreciate everything you do. I just, I'm just i really frustrated because I'm a nurse, and I do home care. I go privately into a home, and I take care of ventilator patients for, like, 19 years now. And it's very frustrating when you see these doctors. I would never tell Dr. Fauci or what her name, the other one's name is, to have Berks. a infectious disease. But um, what they're saying, none of it really makes sense as a nurse, just, you know, knowing what I know as a nurse. But also the ventilator issue is really concerning to me because you can't really learn a ventilator in a month or two. And if you have all these ventilators and they're being used with people that don't know how to use them, I mean, it's very scary. Like, they could be actually really, like, harming people. They could be actually killing people. It's very easy if you don't know how to use a vent to kill somebody. You can literally blow up a lung if you give them too much pressure. You know, it's very, very, a very, very temperamental machine. The, the respiratory therapists are the ones that give us the parameters for the machine. The machine can fail, and you need to have a backup vent in, available. Or you have to literally use an ambu bed to maintain the airway for the patient. I mean, there's just so much involved. Oxygen, oxygen can go directly into the vent, which is directly into the patient's lungs. And so this, there's all these, you know, all these things on, on the video, you know, Vimeo and, and all these doctors on there, and they're talking, and they say they're in the critical, in the Queens Hospital, in critical care, and they're handling these patients, and they don't seem to know the simple basics of a ventilator. So it's pretty scary and frustrating because then I have family members calling me and sending me these videos and they're, they're ready to jump off a cliff, you know. They're really scared. And then I'm like, that's not true. Like, that's not how it works. That's not what happens. You know, so now the people are just panicking everywhere. And it's just when you hear people that aren't specialists at something and they really don't know what they're talking about, it's like Cuomo is on there all the time with the – talking about it. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I can't watch that guy drone on and on. And it, at the end of it, he's always saying, I need, I need, give me this, give me that. This guy was governor. God knows how much taxes he spent, how he's destroyed the uh, New York's fiscal situation. And But they never had enough money for health care. Did you notice? These liberals always talk about health care, but they never spend money on health care. Well, listen, our health care system has been like really decimated, and, and, and nursing and doctoring doctors have been decimated. Like, a lot of doctors left when Obamacare came in. A lot of people just left. Mm-hmm. They're very intelligent people, doctors. They can make money doing other things, and they did. Mm-hmm. A lot of doctors left because their practices were ruined. You know, a lot of nurses left, too. But, um, you know, basically, the ventilator situation, I could talk with you for hours because I'm just at work. No, no, we don't have it, but I, I do appreciate it. Listen, thank you very, very much for all you're doing. Long Island, New York, you're an ICU nurse. You work on the toughest cases if you're working with people that have they need ventilators. And I want to thank you, Diane. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, 
and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Ladies and gentlemen, a very, very good friend of mine has joined us. You might have heard of him. His name's Glenn Beck. Glenn, how are you, my friend? I am great. How are you? You know, I'm okay personally, but I'm very, very worried about the future of this country, which Holy is why I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. Interestingly, you've actually kind of foreseen some of this. You have a book out, Arguing with Socialists. Okay, Glenn, they're all socialists now. How the hell do we argue with Washington? I have to tell you, you know, chapter six of this book, it talks about the the real danger being some sort of a crisis that uh, puts us into a uh, joblessness depression, and the government turns to high-tech, high-tech turns to government, and then we start printing money with, uh, with modern monetary theory. <laughs> That's something that I, I wrote... What, six months ago? It's in the book now. It's chapter six, and it explains exactly what is happening to us right now. Mark, if we don't wake up and start uh, demanding that our governors don't become fascists, thank God Donald Trump is not, uh, is not doing all the things that the Democrats are doing. Um, but <clears throat> if, they don't, if we don't wake up and stop this, this creep of fascism, and then also start to demand that our Congress goes to work and actually reads the bill and actually debates the bills and stop this insane money printing. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like Democratic Socialist light. You know, I, it's, it's like they don't even know what's in the bill and that they're arguing over the number. I know. No, 250, no, 350, no, a trillion. Well, what's in it? I don't know, but three, we've got, we got to get it out there. We've got to get it out there fast. I have a question for you, Glenn Beck. Yeah, yeah. All this printing of money, massive inflation has to be on the horizon, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. Now, they don't think so with modern monetary theory, um, but it absolutely will be. Um, and the government will just, uh, the, the theory goes, the socialist theory, goes that they will then just uh, uh, control inflation with price controls uh, and, uh, and also taxes to get people to not buy the things that they don't want them to buy. I mean, it's, it's a truly frightening theory, Mark. It's, it's, it's the Weimar Republic, yes. and it's been bandied around by these socialists in Washington for a while. Um, and honestly, I almost didn't put it in the book because I thought this is – this is so crazy, it would take a catastrophic collapse to get this to happen. Decided to put it in because, you know, I'm kind of a catastrophist as it is, and here it is. <laughs> I mean, this is exactly what they're doing right now. And uh, how, 
give us a few pointers because we need them desperately. How do we argue with the socialists since we're surrounded by them now? We're actually very fortunate um, right now, if we care to be, um, to look at uh, what's happening around the rest of the world. Um, you know, our health care system is the best in the world. Um, we are handling this better than anybody else. If you watch uh, Sky News or sometimes on the BBC, you'll see it. But uh, I was watching the reports from England on English television, and it was, it was quite amazing because the press is saying exactly the same thing, except they're not bashing the health care system. The health care system, they have a five-step plan to get to 100,000 coronavirus tests by the end of this month. A five-step plan to get to 100,000 tests? We're already at 2 million, and we were supposed to be the worst in the world, remember. The, um, the following story on, the, uh, on Sky News was the um, uh, private market that was trying to beg the government, let us make masks, let us get involved in, uh, in these tests, we can help out. But the socialist government won't allow it to happen. The socialist health care system, it's collapsing in Italy, it's collapsing everywhere. If we're smart, we will look at the things that are happening right now and make sure that we document them and, and scream them at the top of our lungs, look what's happening elsewhere. The private market, the private system is what is working. The reason why we don't have enough beds in this country for, uh, for uh, ICU is because of the government. They require you to go, if you wanted to build more beds in a hospital, you have to go in front of a, uh, of a council and justify them instead of the private market just saying, you know what, I'm building a new hospital with more beds. And this is what happens in 35 states and D.C., Certificate of Need. Yeah. They started in 1960, started in New York. You can't get beds. You can't get MRIs. You can't get CT. You can't get ventilators without the state approving. And then Cuomo, hat in hand, says, where are my ventilators? Where are my beds? While he's buying, uh, you know, solar panels. Right. uh, I mean, New York had plenty, plenty of opportunity to have enough uh, uh, ventilators, but they didn't maintain them. They didn't buy them. They they, They actually got rid of them because... They didn't prioritize. This is exactly the same thing that happens every time. This is what happened uh, with New Orleans. You could see New Orleans happening a million miles away. Why? Because the corrupt government wouldn't spend the money on the things they should have spent their money on in protecting the community. Instead, they gave handouts and they bought votes. This is the problem with these governments. They will always go corrupt and they always end up like what we have in China, covering their tracks, and, and, and it always leads to massive death. Let me ask you a question, the opposite of socialism. We have all these businesses these governors are shutting, and I've been arguing now for some time. You know, they can walk and chew gum at the same time, any of these businesses. I they know. can mitigate and remain open, and many of them are. That's how we're eating. Yes. So why don't they ask them if they can do it and how they can do it rather than shutting them down? You know, I think that this is a um, – I think people see this on the, progr- the progressive side as a way to fundamentally transform America. I mean, look what's happening to us, Mark. We are, we are losing the, the entrepreneurial class. We're losing the small businessman. The small businessman makes 80% of the jobs. That's, 
That's fact on America. 80% of, of the workforce works for the small businessman. So what happens when that person loses their, their restaurant, loses their store, loses their dreams, loses everything that they have tried to build? To, tried to build? They and their employees now have to go on the government dole. They now have to go to work and do it the way the government says. This is, this is sick, really, truly sick what is happening right now. Let me ask you another. By the way, can I carry you over the bottom of the hour? Can you hang around a little bit? I I want to ask you this, and it's not to degrade in any way, just when the left-wing goon media is listening, uh, doctors uh, Fauci or Burks, but aren't you a little concerned that these people uh, seem to be, in so many respects, running the country with their expert advice? In other words... I think some of the reasons these governors are also shutting down these businesses is because they're listening to them and saying, you know, huddle in your homes, shutter where you are, don't move, don't go to the grocery store if you can avoid it, don't get your drugs at the pharmacy if you can avoid it, don't go. What the hell is this? I want your, your response then when we return. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The one-man antidote for liberal media bias, Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right, Glenn Beck has a brand new book out, and it's extremely timely and extremely important. I don't know how he does it. Arguing with Socialists. Glenn Beck, okay, I've got Bernie Sanders in front of me, although he's... He's kind of retired, but he likes to say he left a footprint, and I think he has. He has. On, on both parties. Yeah, and on he the has. country, Unfortunately. How do you argue with a guy like that who's just an ideologue? <laughs> or do you just mock them? What do you do? No, I, I think you, 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 you stay away from Bernie Sanders because you're not going to change his mind. You're just going to look for the, you're going to look for the people that, uh, that, that are still open-minded. I mean, we have, we have very little time to be able to uh, save the country, and right now is when it is being stolen from us, uh, and freedom is being stolen. And so we have to be, we have to um, make good use of our time. So I don't think you waste it with Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders, I think, is the um, is the Barry Goldwater of this generation. Um, you know, Barry Goldwater, he may have lost, but 
it was because of Barry Goldwater that we had the Reagan uh, administration. We had that big Reagan revolution. Who is the one that's going to step up in the shoes of, of Bernie Sanders, you know, either next year, five years from now, and lead this revolution? You look at what's, what's being um, – what the experience is of anybody who remembers maybe their first earliest memory of America was 9-11. 9-11, the markets go unstable. Mom and dad might lose their job. Everybody was afraid. The next big memory is 2008. The banks are corrupt. The government bails it out. The rich get richer. Mom and dad lose their savings, maybe lose their job. And now this, this is, this is a group of people that have grown up now looking at this system saying it's not stable it's not fair people continue to get bailed out but mom and dad aren't getting bailed out it this isn't right we need to make sure that a they know that that's this is not a capitalist country this is crony capitalism this is this is the garbage coming from the republicans as much as it's coming from the democrats and the socialists no one is standing guard right now um, and there is no real freedom. If you look at what's been done to us, we have, for the very first time in my lifetime, been told, you're not in charge of your own safety. You're too stupid. You won't do the right thing. So the government's going to tell you what to do, and the state government can arrest you if you don't comply. Whose freedom is this? Oh. Who, who actually is in charge here? The people? or the people who think they know better than everybody else. And, you know, you, you went to break, Mark, with the, with the question about uh, Dr. Burks and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name? Fauci. Uh, yeah, Fauci. Yeah. First of all, I think, I mean, the good thing about Donald Trump is he is, uh, he, there's nobody that wants to open the market more than Donald Trump, I believe. And right. if Donald Trump thought that Fauci was full of crap, you know he'd be calling him Fathead Fauci right now. <laughs> so I don't think that they're actually running the country, although I do think that they um, do not have the uh, – you know, their job is to protect lives. Let, let me just say this. I think they're boxing him in. I don't think they're doing it politically or ideologically. No, I they're just think they're, they're making it for difficult for him. Exactly. Yeah, they're made, they're, they're, their job is to save lives. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, I will tell you that I think that uh, Donald Trump is, he is itching to turn the country back on. And he's got to do it pretty soon. We're, we're going to be losing all of the entrepreneurs, all of the small businesses. They can't handle this. The banks are getting bailed out. The big corporations are getting bailed out. The airlines will get bailed out. But what about the pizza parlor? What about the guy who's got, you know, uh, light bulbs and things, and it's been his dream? But this is always the way. It's When the government gets it, it's always the same thing every time, whether it's TARP and all the rest. This is the way it works. Right. But if Donald Trump listens to the people and listens to those people who are really the ones that are struggling, he'll be okay and we'll be okay. But if he loses sight of those people, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because who else is standing up for us? Now, let me ask you this. And by the way, the book is called Arguing with Socialists. This is Glenn Beck to whom I'm speaking. Glenn, you have a program on Blaze Network. Tell us about that. I do. The same network that you have a program <laughs> on. Yes. Um, 
you know, and by the way, I have to tell you, Mark, I've really enjoyed our, our relationship and our friendship. People was, need to know we're good friends. I know. I, I went down. We had uh, we spent the afternoon together at uh, Florida in Florida at your favorite restaurant. And, yeah. And now my favorite restaurant. Yeah. And we've just it's just been great to work with you. It really is. And by the way, so they know it's not like a French five course restaurant. It is a no. one course, wonderful restaurant. And I'm very worried those folks are going out of business. Glenn. Those are the kind of people that you have to worry about. I mean, look, all of these giant corporations, man, they're going to get, they, they've got the, 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 you know, the, the lobbyists, they, they're going to be fine. It's going to be the average Joe. We, this is a massive shift of wealth, and the average person is being robbed blind right now. And quite honestly, Article 5 of the Constitution, you better pay me back for this. You stole our future. You stole our, our businesses. You stole from us. You better pay us. And what are they doing? They're paying the usual suspects. There, we have our treasury for the first time buying treasury bonds back from central banks all around the world. They are printing money and buying our treasury, our debt, back from the foreign treasuries all around the world. This is insanity. This is insanity. It's kind of debt on top of debt. And when I yeah. hear that, we can actually get, you know, we can spend trillions at 0% rate interest rate. I'm thinking, we're not paying this back. What are you talking about? Zero yeah, percent. We're now taking loans on top of loans. You know what that spells? Disaster. You know, when, when Bernie Sanders says, well, for $10 trillion a year, we can have Medicaid for all. Who's going to argue that that's too expensive when we just, in one day, without debating it, spent $6 trillion? Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, nobody is watching the store. We're being robbed blind, and no one is watching the store. And I think Donald Trump is convinced he's got to do it. Now, I mean, think of this. We are flying American, okay? We have, a, we have the biggest jumbo jet ever built, the strongest, most outrageously great jumbo jet, giant 747. And because we're going to hit some turbulence and maybe some people – Maybe maybe 1% of the people on board might get sick, might die. What do we do? The pilot comes over the, the intercom and says, Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you flying American Airlines. Uh, we are going to have some turbulence here. So what we've decided to do is uh, turn all of the engines off. But don't worry, before we crash and have to uh, pick up the pieces of the plane and the wreckage of the dead bodies, we'll just turn these engines back on. Now, this has never been tried before, but uh, we're pretty sure it's going to work out. So enjoy your flight and buckle up. That's what we've done to the economy. We've turned it completely off in hopes that right before we hit the ground, we can turn these engines back on and we'll be flying at 40,000 feet. Here's here's what I think they're going to do. The book is, and it's a very important book, and now if you're home, it's... By the way, I've I've been getting books on Amazon and reading. I have your beautiful book, too, by the way. So late at night, this is what I do. Arguing with Socialists is the name of the book. The timing couldn't be better, given what's going on. Here, I see what's, what's coming here. The media and the Democrats, what they're plotting. Blame the president for failing to act fast enough. Mm-hmm. And next, blame the president for the economic fallout because he didn't agree to spend more. Yeah. He didn't agree to shut down the whole country. He didn't yeah. agree to nationalize our industries. That's yeah. the next shoe to drop. Yeah, that, that's, that's, you're, you're, you're spot on. 
will spend and spend and spend until there's no spending left. Nobody's buying this, this debt. Nobody's buying these bonds. The only person, the only group that is buying these at auction is the Federal Reserve. It's outrageous. It's craziness, and no one is talking about it. Just so the public understands, Levinites out there, Beckites out there, just so you understand, let me put a fine point on it. We have debt. Now, in order to service the debt, we sell these treasury instruments. Nobody wants them. So our government, to fund its debt, is buying its debt. So you have two layers of debt, and it's actually worse than that. We have 10 years of quantitative easing under Obama. So God knows how much money's floating around. So we're buying debt to pay our debt, which means it's never going to be paid. Never, ever. Never. And, and so we have a brilliant economist from Boston who says we have over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities if they're paid out. And now we have 22 tri- – and by the way, Glenn, it's now going to be $27 trillion in fiscal operating debt just as a result of this year. And if the Democrats have it their way, it's going to be $30 trillion. Oh, it'll be 50 How the hell do we get out of this? Listen, you don't get out of this. I really believe that there is a a dollar reset that is coming. I don't think we last two years with this currency. I really don't. Um, There's no way... No way out of this. We have just gone on hyperdrive. The entire world has gone on to hyperdrive. We know how this movie ends. It ends the same way every single time. The only thing that we can do is to get back to work and control our Congress. And, and if it, look, if the people who are mowing the middle of the frickin' highways... If that is an essential job, I saw him on the mowers today, if that's an essential job, then I think the Congress of the United States, the people who are supposed to be debating this, watching our money, watching our economy, getting us back into work, I think they can show up to debate a bill, especially when it's $6 trillion. What's this guy, Kentucky? Massey's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. He was right. He is. He's absolutely right. He got, he's getting massacred for it. He, he got creamed ab- by the president, who I think oh. people are whispering in his ear. He's wrong. One day to get a vote so you and I know who the hell's voting on no, what. I think they call that representative government. Yes, it's constitutional. Look, here's the problem. We are rushing so fast, and Nancy Pelosi has said she will not consider any way to get any kind of vote, uh, electronic or anything else, and she will not have Congress back because it's too dangerous. So what is she doing? She is First, she doesn't want to do anything electronic because you never know who's listening, so they can't strong-arm anybody. They can't cut deals behind everybody's back. They are not bringing them back, so what is she doing? These bills are being written, and then they're being proposed to empty rooms. They'll say, voice vote, the ayes have it, good, passed. No one's doing their job. This is a coup. If you look at what Nancy Pelosi is doing, this is so unconstitutional, it can literally be called a coup. Glenn Beck. Terrific. Folks, I really want you to enjoy this book. It'll really get you thinking. It's quite intriguing. It's called Arguing with Socialists. It's brand new. It's out just the other day. You can get it on Amazon.com if you can't leave the house. We have it posted on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. God bless you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Good to talk to you, too. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, indeed.
He's a good man. I really enjoy his company. A beautiful wife. Like my wife's beautiful, you know. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Oh, don't forget, I'll be on Hannity. I guess, I'm going to guess, it's 9.35 p.m. Typically, that's what it is, Eastern Time. And uh, that makes it 6.35 p.m. Pacific, last time I checked. All right, I'm trying desperately, Mr. Uh, Producer, to find my uh, phone list. I'm sure it's here somewhere. Any suggestions on to whom I should? Oh, here it is. Here we go. Everybody, count the three. All right, there we go. Uh, let us go to Eric Bend, Oregon, the great KBND, Dr. Eric. Go. Hey, Mark. You have been on a roll for three weeks, and I completely agree. I've got some hard numbers that nobody can argue with, and nobody is speaking about on this one. Tell me. Okay. So, COVID. Worldwide, we're having a hell of a trouble, as well as in New York City. But when you look at and compare this to the flu... And you take New York City out of this and just look at the USA in general. And New York's having a heck of a time. They yes. need to do everything they I can agree. to quiet this thing down. But the United States minus just New York City, the rate of hospitalized people that die, so number of deaths divided by the number of hospitalizations, is 10.9%. Mm-hmm. For the flu, nationwide, year after year, it is 10.1%. And the reason I'm picking on this number, and people are going to disagree with me. Oh, I know why. Because they're going to say, you're downplaying it. You're saying it's like the flu. It, and I am saying it's like the flu, except nobody is using the only two hard numbers that you can look at. And that All is right. the number. All right, doctor. Thank you. I just want to get to some other doctors here. We have another doctor here. Dr. John. Charlotte, North Carolina, the Mark Levin app. Quickly, go, sir. Yes, sir, John, go ahead. Hi. Hi. Mark. Hi. I'm a, great, I'm a great fan. And um, uh, Doctor, get Dr. John's number. Seriously, Mr. Producer, let's call him back tomorrow. We have a lot of great callers. I want to thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. All these folks are helping us from grocery stores to truckers to deliveries. Everybody, thank you. Doctors, nurses, you know who you are. I'll see you on Hannity in 30 minutes, and I'll see you here tomorrow. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network.